Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Happy Friday to you. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast production, the Gold Diggers Podcast with myself, Rob Stats Carrera, and Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Why does it feel like I haven't talked to you in so long? We talked I don't last know. week, right? Yes, I, I don't understand. Maybe because you don't text me back when I text you. I know. I feel so Throwing distant from you. You did. Uh, I know today was an accidental, not pressing send, but you did text me, you know, some Steelers videos from camp and I ignored you then too. Yep. And I texted you good Steelers videos too. And you just ghosted me. Yeah. I mean, I saw that same video on Twitter about 1000 times. So by the time you sent it to me, I was kind of over it, but I should have wrote, I should have wrote back. I had a very, very busy week. My sister was in town. It was the best, but now I'm getting back into the regular schedule. You Garoppolo'd me. What the hell? Yeah. 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 I did. That's my bad. Weak, weak sauce. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We will get back to you, unlike Michelle, <laughs> or I should say I. I don't know why I'm not lumping you in with me anymore. So please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Here's a review from Rentis, who says, love the content, five stars. So glad 49ers and five is back. It's my first listen every morning, and I look forward every Friday to Robin Michelle. Her analysis is spot on, all caps. Make us some money. We know she'll be rooting for the Steelers week one, and she should. Shanahan is crazy if he starts Purdy against the buzzsaw of a pass rush. And I agree, Rob. It would be much better to see Trey throw two balls each week at receiver's feet than Sam dropping two balls on the center's butt. Go (laughs) Niners from Ren Donovan. Well, thank you very much, Ren. That was great. I think you lied there. You lied. You didn't really think it was great. That was a very tepid response from you. I really thought that review was fantastic. I didn't know you wanted a response from me. I think I think Ren would say that you could have done better there. Just listen, I, I I'm so with him about the whole Brock Purdy, <laughs> Trey Lance, and Sam Darnold thing. I think he has it spot on. I could not have said it better myself. See, that's a good response. Yeah. All right. We're working our way into form here. Uh, I'm being a jerk to you early on. I don't know why. You're very upset about me not texting you back. I think so. There's residual anger there. (laughs) A few things we're going to get into today. Elijah Mitchell is hurt again. And it's just, wow, poor guy cannot stay on the field. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Plus, I've been digging into some of the 
preview guides that are out there, including Warren Sharp's guide, which I love every year. And he's got some really interesting stuff about the 49ers that I wanted to run past you. Like some stuff is like, oh, okay, I'll keep an eye on that. And some stuff is just plain weird. So we're going to get to all of that. But let's start with Elijah Mitchell. I mean, he's going to be out about a week. It's an adductor strain. So we're not talking about like a season ending thing here. But this is part of the reason why I think his roster spot is far from assured, Michelle. I mean, we're what? just through one week of training camp and he's already dealing with an injury. He's only, he's entering his third season in the NFL, right? This is his injury history, shoulder, chest, rib, hand, uh, concussion, knee sprain, thigh, hamstring pull, um, MCL sprain, and then another MCL sprain. And now a leg quad strain. That's too many injuries. You've been in the league for five seconds and <laughs> you don't even get used that often either. Well, cause you can't, because you get hurt. Like I don't, he's very talented. And I feel really bad, but we were already nervous about them using a roster spot on him because he can't make it through the season. He can't even make it through one week. He didn't even make it through mini camp healthy. He was hurt in mini camp and missed time. He missed 16 of 20 games last season. And look, I'm not saying that any of this is a character flaw with Elijah Mitchell, but it's not his fault, but right. But if you're the 49ers, it doesn't matter why he's getting injured. What matters is he's not available. And you just, you can't have that. And it's frustrating because when he's on the field, he's really good. He is. And I think he is better than Jordan Mason and Ty Davis price with the electricity he brings. Right. Like, so he's a nice compliment to CMC who Christian McCaffrey's great. You can give him the ball you want. He is electric in his own way and he can break off plays, but you know, if you give the ball to Elijah Mitchell and any given play, he can bring that thing to the house because of his speed. So that's a really nice kind of backfield to have where you have a trustworthy guy in CMC and then you bring in the electric player and he definitely offers more than Jordan Mason or Ty Davis price. It's just, I don't know how you let one of those guys go when you know, Elijah Mitchell's not going to make it maybe even one game healthy. He had 200 and uh, 45 attempts last year for 279, average 6.2 yards per carry last year. <laughs> so good. But man, I don't know how much longer you can wait around for him to get out there and stay out there, especially because I know you kind of poo pooed him a little bit. But one guy who is getting rave reviews so far in camp is Ty Davis Price. So maybe there's a little life there. Maybe the Niners are like, look, Elijah, we love you, but we just can't wait anymore. Do you think they'll keep four running backs or just three? Because they also are keeping a fullback, obviously, with right. juice. So that just seems like way too many guys to keep in the backfield, especially when you have Debo that can rush as well. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if the Debo running thing is going to be pretty much put out to pasture. I, I kind of almost hope it, it does. I feel like defenses have adjusted. It doesn't really work as well as it used to because they're they're really locked in on it. And like you have McCaffrey, you have maybe Elijah Mitchell, like you have all these other people. Do you really need to do that anymore? I don't know. But it's a good question because they're definitely going to keep McCaffrey. Obviously, they're definitely going to keep use check. I think they're going to, I don't know that McCaffrey's going to be, or uh, excuse me, Mitchell's going to be on the team. So I think he's going to be out. I think Ty Davis price will make it unless he like completely craters in the, in the preseason, but I think he'll be there. And then Jordan Mason's going to make it. Do you remember who was getting rave reviews though? Uh, Right before he got cut was Trey Sermon. (laughs) But I think they were trying to trade him. 
And everything I've heard, even going back to last season with Ty Davis Price, is that specifically this isn't a Trey Sermon situation, that they do actually like him. So we'll see. But Jordan Mason's also had like a fumbling problem so far in camp too. So it's like, damn, can we get some sort of stability behind McCaffrey, please? I mean, you want Elijah Mitchell. Like you want him to stay healthy and you want him to be not just the backup for if in case something happens to CMC, but also to be utilized in every game, not a ton, but give him some snaps here and there, give him some touches and he could break one to the house. You want that. Like I, I think he's good for the team. It just comes down to his body has shown. He cannot last in the end. It's not even like he can, he's put many games together ever. It's like, one game here and there he keeps coming back to and then getting hurt like instantly. It's not even like, okay, well we'll have him for 10 games and then maybe he'll miss a couple. Like, it's just like, we might have him for a half of a game. Then that's the thing. It's like, what kind of stability are you getting? It's not just like a quick injury here and there. And then he's right back. You just, you cannot depend on him. And you know, every roster, every injury and every roster decision impacts every other injury and roster decision. They ran out of IR spots last year in part because so many guys kept getting hurt. It's like we might need that spot later if we keep Elijah Mitchell on the team. Like chances are his history is shown he's going to take up one of those spots. Yeah, I mean, almost, you know, he's kind of like the running back version of Kadarius Tony right now. It's like you keep holding out hope that these guys can stay healthy because when they are on the field, they're so incredibly talented and just electric and what they can do with the ball in their hands. But it's like that Kadarius Tony did the same thing. He showed us day one. Oh, I'm going to get injured. Like some of these guys just get injured all the time. Here's Kyle Shanahan talking about Elijah Mitchell. We're trying to work everything with him. I mean, Elijah's extremely good back and he's had some unfortunate things with injuries. Uh, he is a very physical runner, but um, you don't strain your abductor because you're running physically. Um, so there's, you know, I think all of our runners are pretty physical. Um, sometimes that can happen, but you know, his bad injury last year, he had his foot in the ground and someone hit his knee. Um, I think it was his MCL. So it's, you can't change your style. It's also what makes him great. I don't always think that's what's getting him hurt either. Um, but he has had some muscle strains and stuff. And we've, I think he got hurt on the exact same day last year in camp. Um, it'll probably help him to be out here a little, about a week and a half, most likely. But um, Elijah does everything right. He just, he's, had, he's been unfortunate with it. So um, hopefully we can find the secret remedy as we go. Did Shanahan just come off of running a mile or something? No, it's oh, it's just it's literally uh, uh, that's just how he rolls. <laughs> he okay, but I think like I think he was kind of say what we said earlier. Like it's not Elijah Mitchell's fault that he keeps getting hurt, but it doesn't matter. What matters is he does yeah. keep getting hurt, and you need somebody to spell McCaffrey. You're gonna need somebody to take snaps away from him so he doesn't have to carry as much of the offensive burden, and you just can't. Mitchell's proven he can't be that guy. I think it's like, I think the jury's out now. Like, we don't need to wait any longer, do we? Do you think that uh, they'll be playing Ty Davis-Price in the first preseason game? Because I was shocked yesterday. Uh, yesterday we had the Hall of Fame game, mm -hmm. and Jerome Ford, who is the second running back on the Browns roster, and Zonovan Knight, who's the second running back on the Jets roster, with Michael Carter as well, they all sat out. And is that a new thing now, too, where they're scared about backups getting hurt in games? I think that 
Yeah, to be honest, like and also like weird stuff happens with the Hall of Fame game. Remember, it got canceled a few years ago because the field was unplayable. The the lights went out in the Hall of Fame game this week. And, and then the showers apparently didn't work afterwards for either team, which I'm sure that was an awesome bus ride home. Ooh, yeah, like I just I don't know. Maybe maybe for some reason that game is is treated a little differently. But I mean, you got to play Ty Davis Price. You have to like the dude was a ghost his first season. Let's go get him on the field. You got to play somebody in these games. Yeah. I want to see him and Jordan Mason and let's see what they can do. Because I think if Elijah Mitchell is going to end up making the team, then it comes down to those two being the final spot. I know you're super pumped about what Jordan Mason did last year. I am much more like, I don't really think he's anything. So I hope Ty Davis price wins the job because of his performance this summer. What is your beef with Jordan Mason? He had he had one good run, and now like you're using his stats, like how many yards after touch? It's like they all came on that one play that it was like at the end of the game. It like it was just it would just happen to be like he's not he's not anything special. I think Jordan Mason is a solid solid player. Jordan, if you're watching this, Michelle Majuk at Ball Blastum on Twitter. Feel free to uh, reach out and take up your criticism with her. I think he's a solid player. I don't think he's like, you know, he's not Christian McCaffrey out there, but I think he can be an absolutely solid contributor. Again, this was an undrafted free agent guy. Like, I, yeah, I'm going to be happy about him. He can, he runs hard. That's all I'm asking out of him. And uh, yeah, I think you're poo-pooing Jordan. Mason. I think if the 49ers were to cut him, he would have a hard time landing with another team. And if he did, he wouldn't get a single touch with that team throughout the season. So what? that's why I think that. I hope Ty Davis Price shows something. Somebody. I don't I'm not picky. I don't care who it is. Just pick one of them. That's all I'm saying. I had my Jordan Mason stat ready to go, but you poo-pooed it before I even said it. Oh my it. goodness. We we're gonna say the yards after contact. Four point two yards after contact per attempt would have led the league if he had oh qualified. Oh my goodness. On one of those plays, he probably had what sixty yards after contact. That's going that means that's actually really bad then that he only had four point zero or whatever. Cause that 4.2. means he did not do anything on any of the other carries. Cause what he did had he have 43 carries on the whole year? So exactly. like we're not talking about a huge sample size, exactly. but it's yards so when per you touch. Have one carry go for that amount of yards. That's going to skew the data so much because it's only a 43 carry sample size. But I also watch him. I've watched him play every game. I've seen him run. I like his running style. I like when the way he, he when runs. When he comes on the field, I just shut my eyes and I don't watch him. I'm just kidding. I make, him. No, I'm making fun of you that you're like, I watch him. What do you think I do? I think I probably have seen more Jordan Mason carries than you. I'm a Niner fan. Why the hell would you care about Jordan Mason? I'm a Niner fan and I watch every single game. I think you poo-pooed him. How dare you? Look at his game log. Five carries for 25 yards against New Orleans. That's five yards a clip. Eight for 51 against Miami. That's good. 11 for 56 against Tampa Bay. Awesome. Four for 64 against Seattle. That's good. You're very quick to dismiss. I think any running back in this system is going to be fine. They're going to be good because we've seen it over and over and over and over again. Doesn't mean that player needs to be on the team. I'm not saying he needs to be on the team, but I think if they had to, like, if they had to start him, he's like Jeff Wilson. If they have to start him, they'll be fine. No. I mean, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter who you put back there, but that's not 
that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about who will be the best who's on their roster right now if they had to start in the game. And it could very well be. It could be uh, Laybourne, too, who apparently has been getting some love. Another undrafted guy. We will ultimately see. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's shift gears a little bit. See that I did there? Played my little sound effect. Um, I want to get into some of the little nuggets that I have... I shouldn't say I, Warren Sharp did. I just read them out of his preseason guide. But there were a few things that jumped out to me that I shot to you because, um, you know, I'm just keeping an eye on them as we go. First one is that the 49ers were the number 18 offense in the red zone. This is an area with Kyle Shanahan consistently. He kind of struggles. He had one year, I want to say it was 2021, where they were really good in the red zone. But every other year, Kyle Shanahan's career, it's really been an area where his teams have really struggled to seal the deal. Yeah, and if you even take it a step further, they ranked 21st in red zone drives that resulted in any score, not just a touchdown, so field goal or touchdown. And that actually decreased with Brock Purdy as a starter. It went down from 84.1% of the time they scored a field goal or touchdown down to 81.8%, which ranked tied for 23rd from weeks 14 through 18 when Purdy was the starter. But also when it comes to just the touchdown numbers, the 49ers are just kicking field goal attempts way too often when they get near the goal line. And you said that they led the league with 14 field goal attempts inside the 10 last year. They That's all insane. Yeah. Say that again. 14 field goal attempts inside the what? The 10 yard line. But they also had 10 field goal attempts inside the five yard line, which also led the NFL the Buccaneers were the only other team that had more than uh, seven such attempts last year. So they had nine. They're in second. No other team had more than seven, and the 49ers had 10. Like, what? Inside the five. That's insane. Why would you do that? This, see, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about Shanahan and aggressiveness on fourth down. There's no downside to going forward on fourth down. If you don't get it, the other team is pinned so far back they're not going to be able to do anything. Like, what the hell? Especially when you guys had that crazy of a defense left. Yes. And why not give your team one more chance to score? I don't understand it. Like, he's got to be, I, oh, God. If there is a Zoom call, I am jumping on that call, and I have to ask him about that. That is ridiculous. So it's it's 10 inside the 5, and how many inside the 10? 14. So four, I would assume four from 10 yeah. to 14. That is insane. 15 field goals. From, no, no. Like no one on the team has been able to get it through his freaking head. That's what I don't understand. And he had a line in the play callers podcast series where he talked about how he he's so proud of himself because when he was a, an offensive coordinator, he always just called plays to score points. And now that he's a head coach, he's mature. And he realizes that you got to call plays to win games, not score. points. no. You call plays to score points. Damn it, Kyle. You just ruined my Friday, Michelle. Well, he is a very conservative 
coach because not only that, but then I looked at the 49ers by down last year on first down, they passed only 41% of the time that ranked 28th in the NFL on second down. They passed only 53% of the time, which ranked 25th in the NFL. So like he, he is just conservative and it's, it worked out last year, just fine. They were a good offense. They were a good defense, but you know, sometimes it doesn't all just work your way with, they got very lucky in the turnover department last year. Yes. And if they're not as lucky this year, I don't think you can be as conservative in all these games. I completely agree. And I know people are like, well, what are you complaining about? Look at his record. And they've been to the NFC championship game. It's like, yes, that's all true. But that doesn't mean he can't be better. And, and when you look in the big games, especially playoff games, they're usually very close one score games and your game management in that area is a huge factor in whether you win or lose. And he consistently makes the wrong calls in those situations. He makes it harder for the team to win. And it's very, very frustrating. And the, the, what really gets me is that he thinks he's being so smart about it. Like, no, dude, you're just wrong. He's a very good play caller. So, and they're just really good. Uh, just overall, they have so much depth, just really talented roster. So I think that that balances things out. Right. And they win a lot of games, but it's like, you are making a little bit harder with how conservative you are. I, I do think he needs to be a little bit bolder and then maybe they can take bigger leads in the first half and it doesn't always have to be so stressful in the second half or maybe right. earlier in the season, you can be a better team where you win games instead of being a three and four team and then having to like break off at the end of the year and be great. You should just be dominant all the time. That's what, is that too much to ask? <laughs> right. All I'm asking for is total perfection. Yeah. No, like perfect example, right? You're playing a game against, let's say it's like the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Well, let's say the Niners are losing by two points and you get down inside the 10 yard line and it's fourth down. Kyle's kicking the field goal in that spot. I'm not. you got to go for the touchdown. Kicking the field goal and going up by two points against Patrick Mahomes is meaningless. you got to go for the freaking touchdown, and you got to keep Mahomes off the field. But Kyle never looks at it that way. And it like, does he not understand that seven is worth more than three? I don't get it. It, it, it felt like it was his worst last year where it was just – Oh, he always just decided to kick. And I know every time he did that, it drove you absolutely crazy. But I mean, the numbers back it up. He did it far too often. Like it was just too much. I'm not saying every single time that you're in the red zone, you got to go for it on fourth down, but you're clearly doing it way too much when you get close to the goal line. I'm saying it. If you're in, if you're at the 10 yard, honestly, like if you're in the red zone, yeah, I would say go for it every time. Unless it's like, if it's like fourth and, 20 then obviously no fourth and five or shorter every time i would go for it every single freaking time and yeah you're not going to make some of them that's okay but i just oh man that really really drives me nuts okay the other thing i saw from the warren sharp football preview is that shanahan cut way back on play action last year he was actually below the league average in terms of how many times they went play action pass which is a huge change for him because this whole system is predicated on the play action, or at least it was. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I I looked into the numbers. He definitely did use play action way less, but I don't know if it actually matters with Brock Purdy because I've never seen these type of stats from a quarterback before where it doesn't matter if he used play action or no play action. So 
most plays with Purdy was no play action. It was 92 attempts to just 32 attempts to play action, but his passer rating was nearly identical. 119 with no play action, which is absurd. That is such a good number. <laughs> and then with play action, 118.8. So a 0.2 difference. His mm. completion percentage was nearly identical. 68.5 compared to 68.8. And like his yards per attempt, nearly identical. So I guess it doesn't really matter with him, but he did have way more attempts not using play action, which I do find weird since they're such a heavy running team and they're a good running team. I feel like you could take advantage of that. And Brock Purdy's plenty mobile enough to, you know, get it done. But so, I don't, I can't really uh, all right, like be upset about this since Purdy's so good with no play action. Oh, I'm not necessarily saying I'm upset. I'm just saying it's a it's a difference. Uh, yeah. Warren Sharp notes that through the first five weeks, the 49ers were averaging negative 0.1 EPA per attempt with play action, wow. which is obviously not good. Only a 36% success rate. Without play action, they were at 54% success and a uh, 0.41 positive EPA per play. So like basically Kyle figured out our play action is not really working, so we're going to do it less, which is actually a good thing. But I was just stunned because all everybody thinks about with Kyle Shanahan is run game, run game, run game, play action pass. And it'll be interesting this year, like, do they continue that rate with Brock? Is it Was it something that because Brock was a rookie, they felt like he, you know, maybe it was harder for him to run play action, so they didn't. And now with he has more time to study the system, so maybe they think it'll be different. I don't know, but I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, and if it's Trey Lance in there, I feel like the play action would have to increase, right? You got to use think. play action, Trey Lance. I, that's supposed to be the thing like that they really liked about him too, is that he had done a lot of that stuff at North Dakota State. For them to be below league average, so league average is 38%. According to Warren, uh, the Niners were at 33% of running play action last year. That's really, really low. And I'm, again, I always talk about how the, the system has to evolve. You have to do different things because guys learn your system and study it and all that stuff. And Maybe this is one of the ways he's doing it, but I want to keep my eye on that because you would think that the Niners are set up perfectly to have a good play action team. Uh, but I didn't, not all of these are things that like I'm mad about. It's just things that jumped out to me. Um, next one, this one was very evident for anyone that's watched the 49ers against passes that were thrown fewer than 15 yards. The Niners had the best defense in the league, but they were second worst against passes thrown more than 15 yards down the field. That is a big thing. I'm sure every offensive coordinator has noticed that and they have to get that fixed this year. Yeah. And when you're just even looking at downfield passes, so 10 plus air yards, that's all I'm talking here. 10 plus air yards. The 49ers allowed an open receiver 35% of the time. Open receiver is three plus yards of separation at the time the ball arrives. Um, the only teams that were worse were the Texans and the Bears, which we know how bad their defenses are. <laughs> and then fourth worst was the Rams. Fifth worst were the Cardinals. So like these are bad secondaries that we're comparing right here. Like the 49ers should not be allowing a open play that often. Uh, that is a little bit scary, especially considering they haven't really added any pieces to their secondary this off season. Uh, I feel like they have Traverius Ward. That's a really good coverage guy. And the rest are kind of just like, well, we hope for the best and please pass <laughs> rush, get to the quarterback. 
Well, here's the other thing is they were not blitzing that much last year. So it's not like they were like, hey, well, we just blitz all the time and we kind of leave our secondary, you know, out on an island. And so maybe that's why they gave up some of these plays. Usually they had seven guys in coverage. And the fact that they were still giving up those plays, that is a little scary. Yeah, they definitely need to fix this. You can't just be because, again, like I just feel like my biggest worry is that their turnover luck is not going to last. So, you know, we're we're hearing reports that Brock Purdy is, you know, putting the ball in the harm's way this offseason during training camp. And we've discussed this this summer that we felt like Brock pretty kind of got away with a lot of plays that could have ended up bad last year, but it just, the ball kind of bounces way. If those start becoming turnovers and then the defense maybe has a few less turnovers that just fall into their lap this year, that's going to make a big difference overall. And you're not going to be able to give up these plays on defense like this and still expect to be as good of a defense as you were last year. This is one area where I'm really hoping Steve Wilkes can help. And a lot of the players have talked about the secondary and all the hands-on work he's done and, and that kind of thing. We know he's a secondary coach. Um, they're going to need it. They're absolutely going to need it, especially when you look at the schedule and you look at some of the quarterbacks that they're going to have to play, right? They're going to have to play some pretty good quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow, Geno Smith, obviously twice, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson. So guys that are going to be able to take advantage of that So you better get this damn thing fixed. And by the way, the Niners were really, really bad against top 10 pass offenses last year. They weren't just worse. They were bottom five when they faced a a pass offense that could actually move the ball. So, yeah, I am a little concerned about that, especially because Wilkes, from what we all hear, does like to blitz a little more. So now we're going to have even fewer people in coverage. What's nice for you? Is that for you? I say, I don't know why I said for you. What's nice for 49ers fans is that to start the season, they get to play the Steelers who never pass it past 10 yards ever. You you know, (laughs) their lives could be dependent on it. They're not going to do it. And then the Rams and right now Cooper Cup's dealing with an injury. So we'll see there, but they, he normally always gets targeted pretty short. And then the giants, they're pretty much a short passing offense. The Cardinals might be playing Clayton tune. So that's a really nice four week stretch there of, like where your defense succeeds should go up well with the offenses they face. Well, good. Let's, let's get a nice little start here. And, but they're going to lose up. against the Steelers. Yeah. You keep saying that we will see. Um, and maybe, you know, they're a little shaky early on and they round into form. We'll find out. I don't know. I, I don't think, I think Tashawn Gibson is probably going to have a worse year. He had basically like one of his best years of his career last year. They signed him off the street. Like that was like, completely unexpected. I don't know that he's going to be able to, to have as good a year. He's another year older. Now I do have Jair Brown who I haven't really heard anything about in training camp. I know Mooney Ward said yesterday that he thinks that once the pads come on in the preseason games, he's going to be good. But like that is literally the only thing I have heard about Jair Brown. Because he's a late round, third round pick. And the only reason you are excited about J.R. Brown is because he was like the 49ers first pick of the draft because they didn't have early picks. But like no one expects a late, very late third round pick safety to do much of anything in the rookie season. But I feel like you guys are like a lot of 
a lot of us have such high expectations for this poor player that the expectations should not be this high for him to be a starter right away to perform well. He didn't, he's not an early draft pick. It's okay. I can't be excited about him. I can't want to hear be how excited he's about him, but I feel like you think like he's going to come in and fix this, the, the secondary, like instantly and be such Why a playmaker. Always do this. What? I'm excited about a player. Just, Hey, I think this guy might be good. And you make it seem like I'm putting the guy in the hall of fame. <laughs> you have been this summer. You've been very excited about Jair Brown and you think he's going to be a turnover machine. All I'm saying is that he's a late third round pick. He's probably not going to do anything this year. Maybe, but maybe not. But like, if he's playing bad, I want to know that too. Just like, just, is he out there on the field? He probably or? is since he's a rookie and he was, uh, you know, how many teams didn't want him for three rounds? Almost all of them. Hey, the 49ers have a habit of finding guys later in the they draft. Do, they I'm, do. They do. Fred Warner was a third round pick. That's all I'm saying. That one worked out pretty good for him, but they, I would just like to know one way or the other, but Again, this is why we like preseason, right? Because Brown's going to be out there and we're going to get to find why out. Why do we still have so long until the 49ers first preseason game? I feel like the week one of preseason used to be earlier. Uh, I don't think so, because they actually haven't changed the schedule since they went to three. They just have the dead week at the end, which is where the fourth preseason game used to be. So I don't think they've changed it. Um, I don't remember having to wait until August 13th. Yeah. So we're almost there we're getting i want to i just want to see the 49ers in action i want to see it, i mean it's going to be interesting games no matter what because trey lance sam darnold are going to be out there we got the running backs yeah. we have uh, i, I want to see these young defensive players as well so i'm very excited for preseason games which i'm sure we'll we'll get to actually get into a game next time we talk on a podcast uh no we're going to talk when is the Niners? yeah it Right? The, it's on the 13th, and we talk on Friday. Oh, yeah, I see. But the next one, we'll be talking about the joint practices next week. Which well, but we'll also be talking about the preseason game that's going to be happening in two days. It's going to be – those joint practices are going to be such a big deal. They're going to be so important. And I want to see what Kyle does. How does he split the reps? Does he give Trey reps with the ones? Does he give Darnold reps? Does Brandon Allen even touch the football? Like I was super happy yesterday. Yes. He didn't touch the damn ball, which is exactly what should be happening. So thank Keep you for that. that. Yes. Keep it that way. You should not exactly. have another touch throughout training camp. So yeah, the joint practices with the red, that's like a, those practices are basically like an extra preseason game. Like I am super hyped to hear what happens with them. I don't know that we're going to get much footage from them. Cause I don't think the, that there's going to be anything allowed, which is kind of frustrating because they're very important and it's all sort of happening in secret, but whatever, I'll take what I can get. I'm very, very interested in that though. I'm counting the days till the Raiders joint practices. It'd be really good practice for the 49ers secondary too, because the uh, Raiders have really good weapons. Honestly, it's not just yes. Devonte Adams. They also have now have Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro, who's a good route runner. Like he, he's an underrated type of wide receiver. So I, I think this is good practice for them. And then also Jimmy Garoppolo knows this defense. So he knows kind of like, but also now the defense knows him. Yeah. So no, it kind I'm of not, works both ways. Not worried about that matchup. No, but I think it's good for the secondary to get practice against these weapons. They're not like the best weapons in the NFL besides Adams, but I do think across the board, it'll be a nice test for them. Kyle said yesterday, he's pretty excited that 
they're going to face another team. And I guess like they kind of ramp up their practices to be like more and more intense as they go along. And it just so happens that where the Raiders joint practice lands is like when they were supposed to have their most intense practice. So you could tell like he's kind of eager to get going here, which God, we all are. We're so, so close. Last weird stat from Warren Sharp that I want to get to. The 49ers were the least penalized team at home last season. They had four penalties a game at home. That was best in the league. But they were the third most penalized team on the road. They had seven penalties per game on the road. And I don't know what to do with this. Like, I I can't explain why. And I just, I don't know if it would happen to be a really a fluke thing or if for some reason there was something about playing on the road that caused them to commit more penalties. Yeah, you think maybe some penalties that are happening more pre-snap or something with the crowd noise. I wasn't actually able to dig too much into what he was talking about with the stat here. My numbers don't match his whatsoever. We might be using different platforms. I don't know if his are correct or mine are correct, but um, it, it could just be the crowd noise or maybe it's just a wild coincidence. I don't know. Do you have your numbers in front of you? What do your numbers say? I do. It says they uh, had the seventh fewest penalties at home. And then hmm. they ranked 21st in penalties on the road. So not quite the third worst. The th- oh, 11th. Okay. It was the 11th worst. That's really weird. And you know, I trust you. Um, so maybe there is a discrepancy there. And a uh, lot of them were holds. So really nothing that would make sense for being on the road. I don't think like crowd noise makes you hold more often. Maybe it does. I don't know. It's just a very weird thing. Seven penalties per game on the road. That's a lot of freaking penalties. And we saw with the 49ers multiple times where they would just commit penalty after penalty after penalty and keep drives going. I can't remember which game it was. I'm trying to look back at the schedule really quickly. Was was it the Kansas City game maybe? Or maybe it was Atlanta. It might have been the Atlanta game where there was like two scoring drives that their opponent had that were completely extended by penalties. That's the only way the team went down the field. And it was so damn frustrating. Okay. So I want to let you know on air, I'm an idiot. (laughs) I didn't do it by game. And then I realized some people have nine uh, road games and some people eight and the 49ers only had eight. So uh, I had one last game when you do it per game, they were the fifth most penalized team on the road and it was 6.9 uh, penalties per game on the road. So that's still different than what Warren had. Still a little bit, but at least it's closer. Yes. I just like that you said that you're an idiot because now I can cut that up and save that forever and have you it for can all save time. forever when you want. Yes. Good. So that this when Jordan whole- Mason so- breaks off a 60 yard <laughs> run in the first preseason game. Wait till Juwan Jennings breaks out for 1500 yards and 18 touchdowns this year. How about that? I'm not, I'm not worried about that one. <laughs> Joan Jennings in the middle of a fight at training camp already. I did want to ask you when we were talking about the, uh, the joint practices, if you had to put money down on one 49ers player to get in a fight with one Raiders player, who would you put your money down on? What's the fight? I, I think that Max Crosby is going to start some stuff. I really do. So that'd be the Raiders player. Like if he touches any 49ers quarterback, like it's going to be Bedlam. And maybe I think I would say Trent Williams. 
old if man Trent, Trent Williams taking on Max Crosby. Trent Williams is a friggin' oh man, that's the one dude on the Niners I would not want to mess with. Remember the end of the playoff game against the Eagles? He like power bombed somebody at the end of that game. <laughs> Do not mess with him. But I don't know if did you watch the um quarterback series on Netflix? I've only watched the first episode. So there is when the Chiefs play the Raiders, they keep showing Crosby, and Crosby is just like making sure to make contact with Patrick Mahomes pretty much every time he's in the backfield, just like hitting him in the head and stuff. And Mahomes is looking back like, dude, like knock it off. Like I get it. You want to make contact with me, but like you're doing stuff that's really borderline and they kind of go at it back and forth. And then after the game, they're fine. But like Crosby is that kind of guy where he just likes to stir it up. And so I think that that, if I had to put money down on where I think the fight's going to come, it's going to be that. Cause you know, there's going to be at least one fight. I just want no one to get injured during the fight or just during practice. That's, that's key. But uh, yeah, I mean, last year during joint practices, we saw Aaron Donald try to kill some people with his helmet. Never got punished for that at all because. Yeah, I guess you, well, now players have learned, Hey, we can do whatever we want in practice because Mm -hmm. we're not going to get punished. This is the time to do it. Yeah. The league doesn't punish you for that. The teams have to do it. And the Rams were like, um, Aaron, can you, can you just please maybe think about, what happens if that happens again this year? I feel like they're going to have to come up with some rule that you will get in trouble. You can't just be trying to hit people with your helmet. Right. Like, <laughs> Miles Garrett did that in the game, and it was kind of a big deal. Yeah, remember? and then he was suspended for six games. I don't know how you go from doing that just in a different setting and right. six-game suspension to nothing, not at all, like no no punishment. Yeah, I don't even – did they even, like, fine him? I, I can't even remember. So. But, yeah, whatever it was, it was obviously way, way too light. Uh, I was just going to ask you another question, and now I forgot because you asked me and you threw me off. Sorry. How dare you? I, it's totally out of my head now. It's completely gone. I you can even text me to... later and I won't respond. Right. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks very much for that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Did you listen to 49ers and 5 this morning? No. I did so not. for the first time today, I had to run through an injury list. And I like, I started to get scared. I was like, no, we're here already. Like Aaron Banks is in the concussion protocol. Obviously Elijah Mitchell was the big news. John Feliciano was banged up. Like I, we can't be doing this now. We haven't even gotten to the first preseason game. It's the worst part about training camp is you get so excited and then preseason games and there's always huge injuries across the league. And you just have to really hope that it's not ones that are too, really, really important players, and they're not long-term injuries for any of these guys. By the way, if you don't know what 49ers and 5 is, haven't heard of it, it's just a quick five-minute daily update every morning that I do. It has all the news you need to know, sound bites from press conferences, interviews, uh, just a quick thing to just make sure you're up to date on everything happening because, let's be honest, you don't want to sit around and watch the entire press conference from every 49ers person every week, and you don't have to. I'll do it for you. And uh, you can download it where your podcasts are. You can watch it. Now I put it on YouTube. It's a whole video now. It's it's a, it's become a thing, but a lot of people seem to like it. So if you haven't checked it out yet, yeah, check it out. It's pretty great. I, I'm finally convincing Michelle to listen to it because I'll just, I'll, t- I'll give you the text in the middle of the day. Hey, do you uh, listen to 49? I always listen to the gold standard with you and Levin. Never miss that. Oh, wow. Oh, so where do you come down on the debate then? Because Levin and I got into that. Is it okay to root for one 49ers quarterback over another in training camp? Not during the games, but just in training camp. It's not about if it's okay or not, right? Like, it's one of those things like you almost just don't want to admit. But I think everyone 
Like, yeah, we're rooting for Trey Lance to be better. And I'm with you when you hear Brock Purdy, you know, might throw an interception or be struggling. You're like, ooh, maybe Trey Lance can, you know, start to take over here. But it it really is one of those things where it once the season starts, if it's Brock Purdy, we're going to be all in on Brock Purdy. And I want him to be the best he can be. I really enjoyed watching Brock Purdy last year. So it's not like I'm dreading watching him. He was really fun to watch. It's just the fact that we've been waiting so long to see Trey Lance to get his shot. We're just kind of still holding out a sliver of hope and just, you know, don't want to let that go yet. Right. And yeah, just the only reason that I feel this way is because it's a zero sum game, right? Like if they were both wide receivers, they could both start. And so there would be no reason to worry, you know, or, or pit one against the other. But because it's a quarterback and there's only one, you know, and, and especially because Trey seemingly has, you know, more work to do, right? He's got to look really, really good. And Brock has to look bad for even Trey to have a tiny shot to be the starter. That's where I am right now. And I look, I want to be honest with people, right? Like that's the one thing you can count on for me. You may disagree with everything I say. But you know you're going to get straight honesty from me. And so that's where I'm at right now. When Brock overthrows guys and throws incompletions and throws interceptions, I'm sitting there like, yes. And I I'm think the big, rooting for Trey. I think the most important thing is that when we're talking about the two, we're giving how they honestly are doing in camp. And we're not only bringing up the good stuff about one player and the bad stuff mm -hmm. about the other. It's really just talking through what they're doing and giving the whole entire you know, story, you can have a rooting interest, but still be honest about what's happening. If you only get your news from Grant Cohn, you would think that Brock Purdy looks terrible and that Trey Lance looks great. If you only get your news from David Lombardi, you would think that Trey Lance is awful and can't hit a screen pass. And Brock Purdy looks like the second coming of Joe Montana. So like we always say, you have to just go to a variety of people because as frustrating as it is, sort of the nature of training camp. People see different things. Some people, if a play would have been a sack, they still count the resulting play. Some people don't. So there's, there's so much variance there that you have to go to more than one place to try and get an accurate picture of what's happening. Yeah. And we'll try to be as honest as we possibly can be. That's my, you hope. would never lie to the people. Would you Never. never? All right. Well, by the way, before we go, Happy anniversary to you and your wife, Kate. Fifth wedding anniversary. That is a huge deal. And you informed me before the show that you don't care what the traditional wedding anniversary gifts are. Only old fuddy-duddies like me apparently care about that stuff. Yeah, you asked me, like, what is the normal like? Apparently, it's wood. I don't. I did not give my wife any present made of wood. But um, I we did get a trip to L.A. I think that's better. What would you prefer? <laughs> I think a trip to LA is a little bit better. Well, you it's not like you have to buy her a house. Like you could just do something small. For people that don't know, every year that you're married, there are like there's traditional gifts that you give out for first year, second year, third year. And then there's like a modern list that I guess they've updated at some point. And some couples, I won't say who, like to go buy one of those items on the list. It's kind of a cool thing. And also like I'm in year 14. Okay. Like, I'm having trouble coming up with stuff. Give me a little guidance. Let me go to the list. Okay, wood. All right. That'll at least give me like narrow it down a little bit for me. And so I asked Michelle if she was into that. And apparently, nope, not a not a thing. I'm an idiot. Yeah, it's just for old people. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm like five years older than you. Yep. Let's not act like I'm, you know. Well, you act 98. like you're 20 years older. That's actually 100% fair. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you leave a review, we'll read it on the show. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can find Michelle on social media or on X now at Ball Blast them. Listen to her fantasy football podcast, Ball Blast Football Podcast. And if you want even more fantasy news, Lockdown Fantasy, Michelle, you've added another podcast to your plate. Yeah, Lockdown Fantasy Football. Every single day, I give you an episode. So go subscribe and listen. Uh, we just went through rookies and what we we think about them this year. And we've given you a lot of information just in this first week that I've done it. So go listen if you love you some fantasy football advice. Not going to lie. I don't like that you have another podcast, though. So I feel like you're kind of cheating on me. You'll always like be my favorite. You'll always <laughs> be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Wait for a week from now when all of a sudden you're not showing up for the show and you got other stuff going on. I can see it coming. Never. Never would I ever. Enjoy your Friday and your weekend, everybody. Bye, y'all.